Welcome. This is episode two of the week, which means it's time for a book recommendation. I'm thrilled to have Philip added to the team, and he will suggest a novel each month. To start off, he does one of my favorite things we do here, and that's introduce new authors. Let's go. It's time to put on your sleuthing cap, feel nail-biting dread, and face heart-racing fear. This is Queer Writers of Crime, where you'll get book recommendations and hear interviews with LGBTQ authors of mystery, suspense, and thriller novels. Here's your host, Brad Shreve. Hi, this is Brad, and this is Queer Writers of Crime. This is our weekly book recommendation episode, and we have these three times a month. If you'd like to know our new format, just wait, and at the very end, I'll give a quick rundown. If you want to make life easy, don't even worry about it, and just go ahead and hit the follow button, and then you don't have to worry about when it's going to be on. But anyway, uh, I have Philip Barr here. Philip was a guest on one time and did a book recommendation when Justine was out of town, I believe. I don't know. She couldn't make it. And Philip was one of those that stepped in, and he did an outstanding job. So now Philip is a regular feature. Uh, he'll be on once a month to do one of the book recommendations. And welcome, Philip Barr. Thanks, Brad. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you jumping in and, and being a part of the show now. I'm I'm thrilled. Uh, you know, you know that I love I love gay male mysteries. I love queer mysteries. I love LGBTQ mysteries. Um, and of course, you know, my reading started a long time ago um, with people like Michael Nava and Greg Heron. But I just really want to say that thanks to you and Justine, my mystery reading has just expanded so much in the past couple of years. And I really appreciate it. And I'm thrilled to be a part of the family here. Well, I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, out of curiosity, do you read any other types of novels and uh, mysteries? I do. You know, I'm a public librarian by trade, so that's my uh, that's my career. And so I try to read literary fiction. I read, uh, you know, I read some science fiction, um, quite a bit of nonfiction. But really, my focus. Uh, I live in a fairly small town in Connecticut, and my focus is really on reading as much um, LGBT content. Re authors that as I can so and I and for some reason cozy mysteries right now just feel right to me so I read a lot of those. Yeah, as a writer, I always feel like I need to expand my horizons uh, and read other genres. Unfortunately, when I sit down to read, queer mysteries are what I want to read. <laughs> so <laughs> there are other authors that are my favorite authors that at least identified as straight. Mm -hmm. I get to ba back to them occasionally. But yeah. Christopher Rice has just come out with, I believe it's his first romance novel. And I'm not a romance fan as, as a rule. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, my husband is likes him. But I think I'm going to pick his up because I'm a fan of his. So uh, we'll see. Great. So you have a book recommendation. I We talked, and I don't even know what you're going to do, so I'm anxious to see what this is. What's the book? Well, I do have a book recommendation. It's actually a book from a debut novelist. Uh, the author's name is Rob Osler, and it, the book is called Devil's Chew Toy, uh, but it's not as kinky as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> sounds awesome. And I'm so glad you got a new author. I love introducing new people. Yeah. So Rob writes the Hayden and Friends Contemporary Mystery Series. But before that, he had a short story called Analog that was published in Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. 
and it won the 2022 Robert L. Fish Memorial Award for Best Short Story by Debut Author uh, this year as part of the annual Edgar Awards presented by Mystery Writers of America. So Rob got off to a good start. He's now published his first book, which just was published last month, called Devil's Chew Toy. So that's what I'm here to talk about today. Well, damn, he actually got off to a really good start. So yeah, Yeah, I'm anxious to hear this. So Devil's Chew Toy, the protagonist's name is Hayden McCall. And Hayden is a Seattle school teacher. He teaches eighth grade social studies. He's also a blogger like myself. And um, he his blog is called Mates on Dates. And it's all about the world of gay dating in Seattle for, I suppose, 20. He's 25 years old. So I suppose for 20 somethings in Seattle. So interspersed throughout the book are blog postings. And they're very funny and very snarky and um, just add to the depth of the story for sure. So the story starts out not with a mystery, but actually with a mishap. Um, Hayden accidentally uh, gets kicked by a go-go dancer at a gay bar, and that's where the story begins. Um, If you're going to get kicked, a a go-go dancer is a great one to kick, Joy, but uh, go on. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. So the dancer's name is Camilo Rodriguez. And the the book actually starts out with them in the stock room after Hayden's been kicked And uh, Camillo's helping him nurse his bloody nose. And almost immediately, we realize that this guy is not just a go-go dancer. He's not just a a, a, pretty boy or anything, but he actually has a very sweet side to him because he's really concerned about what happened. So um, Hayden describes Camillo as tall, but not too tall. Hayden's very short. He's five foot four. And then tall, muscled, brown skin, a few tats. So he's got a tattoo of a, a long-haired Latina woman, which is a little mysterious. And then he's got the word familia running across his rib cage as well. So Camillo actually invites Hayden back to his place, which kind of throws Hayden for a loop. Um, Hayden, it's this, this part of the book is very funny. Hayden con- considers himself what he calls a 7.3 on the scale of one to 10. <laughs> so he claims, he claims his orthodontia work gives him that extra 0.3. And th- those kinds of jokes are peppered throughout the book, which makes it like a really fun, um, even at times silly, but very cozy mystery. It, he puts um, Camillo, even after a night of dancing and looking kind of ragged and t- worn out, um, he puts him at a, at a 9.2. So obviously he doesn't feel like he's in Camillo's league and he doesn't understand why Camillo is offering to take him home for the evening. So they get outside, outside of the bar, and Camillo offers him a ride in his truck. And he, they get to the, his pickup truck and it's a red pickup truck. And Camillo's wearing red high tops. And earlier in the evening, he was wearing a red jock strap when he was doing his dancing. <laughs> so Hayden, because he's a ginger, thinks that this color red is like a sign from somewhere that he's going <laughs> to like end up you know, marrying this guy. It's very funny. So the first thing that happens when they get back to Camillo's is that Camillo says, oh, I've got to introduce you to my roommate. And the roommate turns out to be someone named Commander, which is actually a, a bull terrier with a white coat and a black ears. So Commander ends up becoming a real uh, integral part of this story. So the date turns out to be sort of a cuddle only sleepover. Um, Camillo says that he only likes to cuddle on first dates. So again, there's like sort of this really nice um, contrast between sort of the what you think a go-go boy is going to be and then the sort of sweet and innocent sort of side of Camillo. And of course, it wouldn't be a mystery if the actual mystery doesn't appear very early on in the book. So 
in Devil's Chew Toy, Hayden wakes up the next morning and Camillo is gone. Oh, so yeah. So Camillo, so Hayden's in the bed. He's by himself in this apartment. Of course, he doesn't know who Camillo is. He just, you know, said he would go home with him. And of course, on top of everything, the dog commander is still there. So so he feels like, oh, I've got to do something. Maybe I should take Commander out. And then all of a sudden, there's like a big a rap on the door. And suddenly, there's two Seattle cops that are there with all these questions. So it doesn't look good because there's no Camillo there. And it's his apartment. And also, of course, Hayden is got a black eye from the night before. So it turns out that the reason why the cops are there is because Camillo's truck was found parked, empty, and the motor was still running. So the police are there to ask him questions. Um, after talking to Hayden for a while and seeing how nervous he is and sort of uptight, they realize there's probably no foul play on Hayden's part. So they say, well, we're not going to fill messing reports out yet. So they leave. And then Hayden's left with Commander and no Camillo. So he takes the dog out for a walk. He feeds him. And then he leaves. And he doesn't. Um, he decides that he's just going to leave a note for Camillo and go home. And then what happens is as the day wears on and he does his chores or whatever, he finds out that he's not heard back from Camillo and he starts worrying about the dog. So he goes back to Camillo's apartment and that's where he finds out that the whole apartment has been ransacked. Oh. So now the, now the mystery is really beginning. So there's a second visit from the cops. There's more questions. Um, and then there's this decision that he has to take Commander with him because there's nowhere to leave Commander. So he takes Commander back to his apartment complex in Seattle called the Orca Arms, which is a great name <laughs> for it. Sounds like is it like a, a water park theme park or something? I don't know. It reminds me of uh, Three's Company. I always went to the Regal Beagle. Mm, exactly. Those names are just so classic. It's very funny. <laughs> So he goes back to the Orc Arms and he immediately meets his neighbor, um, who's named Sarah Lee, which is very funny. <laughs> and Sarah Lee ends up being kind of a Gladys Kravitz character through the whole. She's sort of the nosy neighbor. She's always spying on Hayden. So he's always trying to sort of dodge her. And of course, there's obviously um, a no pets clause in the apartment complex. So she's already screaming at him that she's going to report him. So I guess you could say sort of poor Hayden, poor commander. But Commander seems to have hit his stride. So he uh, was found the second time sort of cowering under the bed from the the break-in. But then he immediately takes a shining to Hayden and he ends up falling asleep on Hayden's bed. So if you hadn't noticed from the title of the book or the comments that I've been making about Commander, this is really not just a cozy gay mystery, but it's a dog lover's mystery as well. So Commander really plays an important role in, in grounding Hayden throughout the book and also connecting him to Camillo. Um, And I feel like the real reason why Hayden even gets involved at all in the start is because he needs to make sure the dog is taken care of, and then the rest of the story sort of unfolds from there. So as time moves on, Hayden realizes that the police aren't going to do anything because this is a young, gay, Latino go-go boy. And so he decides to start going and searching for help on his own. And he finds two of Camillo's friends, uh, Hollister and Hurley, I'm sorry, Hollister and Burley, two incredible lesbian characters. And in particular, Hayden and Hollister really become the pair of amateur sleuths that follow the clues to finally help find Camillo um, with the help of Burley along the way. So the story takes them to Barkingham Palace, which is a pet store <laughs> where, <laughs> where Camilla worked part time and they question the owner, Della, and 
Camilla's ex-boyfriend, Ryan, who there's something up with him because he's recently come into a lot of money. And so the culmination of the whole thing uh, finds the whole gang at a Puget Sound Island estate with uh, sort of a diabolical scheme as unearthed. So I would say Devil's Jew Toy is really a great cozy mystery. It's perfect for animal lovers. It includes heartwarming friendships between gay men and lesbians. Uh, very positive butch lesbian characters, which I always love in a story, and an older male character who enters the picture and really acts as surrogate family to Hayden and to Commander as well. The The banter is really funny. The mystery is really shocking, actually, considering it's a cozy. And the ending, of course, is happy because it's a cozy. Um, so I just love I love the book. I really enjoyed it a lot. Well, there's a lot of things that sound great to me. First of all, it, the mystery itself just sounds intriguing with you know, the running car and what happened. But there's some other things that, number one, I like it's a cozy. I don't think there's enough queer cozies. Yeah, agreed. Number two, Hayden's the one that's 5'4"? Yes. Okay. The fact that he's not one of these these so-called mystery novels with the man with the incredible pecs right. on the front cover. Right. This is an average guy. He's Five four. Yep. He's a ginger, which in erotica you hear a lot of gingers referred to, but mm. rarely in just uh, traditional stories when they're trying to make somebody sound sexy. They, I've never heard anybody use the term ginger. Mm. Some gingers are extremely hot. Very hot. Yeah. You know, you can be any co- hair color and be hot. But anyway, I don't know why it, that jumped out at me that this was a, a ginger. But what I liked about that is it reminds me, Mark McNeese always writes, or almost always writes, characters that are older. Mm. Because he's tired of all these amateur sleuths being 25 or 30 and gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I'm 5'5", five five actually, so I really like that he's 5'4". Mm. But, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like that off the bat. I, I like the fact that there's lesbians and... Um, and I and I do think that I do think that the, the fact that he's got these two, le- in particular... Uh, Hollister, who comes in, she because he isn't what you think of when you think of a, you know, a, 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 nor- a mystery that has like sort of a rough character in it who ends up being the protagonist. I think that Hollister picks up some of that um, heaviness for for him. So there's a real balance there where he's sort of the impish um, sleuth and she's kind of the one that does the heavy lifting. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Well, and the title, Devil's Chew Toy, that's just awesome. Yeah. And what was the hookup site that you talked about or the at the beginning? Oh, you mean his, uh, his uh, was it the, um, his blog? Yes. Yeah, so his blog is called, uh, so this is a fictitious blog, obviously. It's the protagonist blog. It's called Mates on Dates. <laughs> mates on Dates. Yeah, mates yeah. like matey, you know, like, uh, what do they, I think, is that British or Australian? I can't remember. Uh, mostly, I think maybe both. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it really, he sort of, like I said, um, Rob Osler, the author peppers, um, blog posts throughout, not a lot, just a couple of them, but in really, in really good places, it's sort of, you know, he'll end the day of sleuth thing and then he'll go home and he'll like be like, Oh, I've got to write a blog post. And then he, and then Rob prints what the blog post is about. It's, they're very funny and very, um, they're a little snarky, but, um, in a good way. Yeah, I know Australians and New Zealand's use mate. Mm-hmm. I think folks in the UK, but uh, yeah, in the UK, you can you send an email and say, "No, we never say that." Yeah, or, no, I'm I'm positive now that you say that because I remember um, seeing some movies where uh, some British films where they use the word mate. So, well, the thing I was curious about with mates on dates, 
I think you've read my book and the uh, the website, the hookup website in my book is Studs for Studs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I spent hours and hours and hours making up names <laughs> and they were all taken. I know. It's hard. And when I finally found Studs for Studs, I said, thank God. And I bought it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, go ahead and uh, pull up studsforstuds.com. See what you get. Okay. So thank you. It's, uh, you did a great job. I uh, look forward to uh, hearing what you have for us next month. Thanks, Brad. You can get more information about episodes, plus scoops on book releases and promotions by LGBTQ crime authors each and every week. Simply head over to QueerWritersOfCrime.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you wait until this episode is over, you may forget, so Brad made it easy and put the link right here in the show notes. Need a little nudge? Click it now and you'll also get a free ebook by one of a select group of outstanding authors. That makes not subscribing just plain silly. It's all yours at QueerWritersOfCrime.com.